Yawa Radio, bringing the feel-good feeling to every day. Warm welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. Welcome to Jordan Space. Every fortnight, you can join me, your host, Steve Phillip, alongside Danielle and Paul from the Jordan Legacy team, together with some very special guests for an hour of conversation, music, and above all, hope. Welcome to Jordan Space. This show does discuss themes of suicide, and we'd encourage you to take care of yourself by stepping away from the show at any point, should you find the content triggering or uncomfortable to listen to. For support, please visit our website, thejordanlegacy.com, and our help menu options. On April the 1st, 2023, Bernie Hollywood OBE stepped ashore on the island of Antigua, just off the north coast of Venezuela. He had just completed a solo row of more than 3,500 miles in just over 109 days to raise awareness for young people's mental health and suicide. We're going to listen to... Bernie, tell his story of this amazing challenge and a career of more than 40 years in raising millions of pounds for charities all around the world. Before we meet Bernie, let's listen to a song chosen by him, Up and Down Heart by Tory Cross. Yawa Radio, bringing the feel-good feeling to every day. Welcome back. Bernie Hollywood OBE has been supporting charities and social enterprises around the world for over 40 years, raising a staggering £42 million for various charities in the UK and overseas. An internationally renowned and critically acclaimed storyteller and speaker, Bernie is one of the world's most accomplished adventurers, and just a few of these adventures include cycling across entire continents, running over 150 marathons, and he's also the holder of a prestigious Guinness World Record. Now at the age of 63, Bernie has just taken on the world's toughest rowing challenge by crossing the Atlantic Ocean in 109 days. Bernie, welcome to the show. Uh, I don't know about you, but I I kind of feel like I need to sit down after just reading that uh, list, and that's not the entire list. My first question is, how are you feeling and have you regained your sea legs yet? Yeah, it's a great question. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, I've I've been back home now for four weeks and um, starting to get my my land legs back, thankfully, and uh, also starting to put on a little bit of weight. Uh, lost two and a half stone in the 109 days uh, of rowing across the Atlantic and um, got a few issues with my knee, which uh, hopefully I'll get sorted out with the NHS over the next uh, the next month or so. But yeah, I'm getting I'm getting back to full fitness now. Thanks, Steve. A moment ago, we were listening to the song Up and Down Heart, uh, which featured Tory Cross. Uh, yes. Can you tell us a little bit of, uh, about that particular song that you've chosen? Am I right in thinking it was created especially for The Boat of Hope? Yeah, it was created especially for the campaign. It was uh, written by uh, an, an amazing lady called Natty Reeves Billing. And um, we actually recorded it or around about a year ago. And it was specifically written 
to actually fall in line with our charity book that goes with our campaign. We have a, a children's charity book called Bernie and Boaty. And we really wanted to reach out to as many people uh, with the creative arts to try and open up the conversation about how you feel inside your head and heart, particularly with young people. And so we were looking at the ages of five to 11. And we, we knew that through the through song, uh, it's a great opportunity, particularly sort of with a sea shanty, to actually engage and connect with young people. And it really reflects how a young person goes ups and downs and how friendship actually helps them talk about how they feel inside their head. So that's how it came about. Uh, look, a little later in the show, we're going to be chatting with you about the, the Boat of Hope and, and uh, this incredible challenge. Um, first of all, though, I'd like to share with our listeners a little bit about who is Bernie Hollywood. Uh, looking back at your, your career, I understand you've had a career of some 30 years in, in the banking industry. Yes, I have. Uh, I, I started my career in banking, gosh, 45 years ago. I'm retired now when banking was seen as a really, really sort of very eth ethical profession to go into. That really sort of gave me a focus from a, uh, a, a really sort of a, a banking point of view, how you can actually operate in the charity sector. I was very fortunate in my career that um, at one stage I was looking after 150,000 charity accounts for the bank, uh, some of the big names and some of the smaller charities as well. Um, and I had an opportunity to create banking products that actually made those charities more successful. Um, and I'm extremely proud of that work. And really from, from that platform, uh, I started my own charities and I started my own fundraising and I started everything that I really wanted to around about 40 years ago. Now, you say you're retired, but of course, I also understand you're a justice of the peace as well. I am. I, I became a justice of the peace around about a year and a half ago. And it has to be, uh, for people that don't know what a justice of the peace is, it's a magistrate. So I, I sit in the magistrate's court here in, in, uh, in Cheshire and Merseyside. And it's one of the most rewarding roles I've ever actually had the privilege of doing. Yeah, Bernie, it's absolutely amazing what you're doing and the amount of um, stuff that you've done uh, for your charitable work and I just I just wondered because the focus has been on education the children young people and education in a lot of the work that you've done I just wondered where it really started yeah and also Steve was asking who is Bernie Hollywood I wondered what your childhood was like ah okay uh, it's, a, it's a great question Paul thank you uh, well it, it, as as usual it usually all started really back in my childhood um uh, I was very fortunate to actually um have an incredible mother and father that I lost well, 43 years ago now, uh, very early in my life. I lost my mum and dad within a year of one another uh, due to cancer and a lung-related disease with my mum. And when I lost my mum, I then realised how, how lucky I was actually with regards to my upbringing. And uh, we lived in a council house. Um, eight of us lived in, in a, in a three-bedroom council house in Speak in Liverpool, a fairly deprived area, but I didn't really realise that at the time. I thought I was the richest person on the planet because mm. I was surrounded with love. And my mum was extremely religious with regards to, you know, sort of a Catholic upbringing. My dad was a, an Irish Catholic. And we went to church on a regular basis. But the ethic within, within my mum and my, my dad was to give everything away. Um, you know, although we didn't have much, which I didn't realise at the moment, she actually opened up the doors within our house and welcomed everybody and gave all of her wealth away, which little that she had, uh, to the church and to, and to, to local people. 
And I saw this obviously happen on a regular basis. And it just really became a part of my DNA and my, my three brothers DNA that um, she always said to me um, to give is to receive. And the more that you give, the more that you will get back. And there's never ever a true word said to be fair, because from, from that, from that upbringing, really that's been my, my fingerprint, my DNA all the way through my life. And that's, that's been my philosophy. Um, you know, I, if I have something um, that you know, obviously you don't need, I, I give that to anybody to make them more successful and hopefully to give them the more support to actually go out and be the people that they want to be. And was there anything else specifically that um, anything else in your life specifically that made you think that, you know, focusing on young people, children, young people in education particularly was, uh, was something you wanted to do? Yeah, it was. I, I was I, I, I basically saw from a very early age, particularly sort of when I was sort of going through my my primary school um, era, that, that really the foundation of what you have at primary school level really sets the scene for you going through your educational uh, life and also what you achieve in life as well. So if you can get to people, young people early, and I'm talking five to 11, you really have a greater influence on what happens with them later on in life. So um, my focus was basically, if we can get some more children and give them the opportunities that I had when I was a child, um, we'll have an opportunity to actually help them both mentally and physically go through life in a, in a better shape. My, my philosophy was if, the, if we can actually educate the young people now, we won't really have to influence them that much when they get older because they'll know exactly what all the issues are and they know how, how to actually address them particularly from a mental health point of view and also from a saving the planet point of view. Uh, Bernie, your, your latest challenge, uh, The Boat of Hope, which we'll talk about shortly, was established to bring hope to young people who've been battling with mental health issues, suicide and depression. So what was it about these issues particularly which resonated with you? Yeah, uh, thanks, Danny. It's a good question. Um, well, I, I think every family across the world is, is affected by mental health in some shape or form. Um, and um, sadly, in my family, um, uh, we have a number of people in the family that suffer severely with their own mental health and very close to my heart as well. Um, and it was around about three years ago that I sat down with uh, an amazing individual within my family that suffers um, with their mental health. And uh, it really we got to a stage really whereby we were having a conversation about how we could possibly help young people prevent them to get to where that individual was in their life on their mental health journey. And, um, and, and he suffered, he suffered very, very bad mental illness over the last seven to eight years. And what, what, what that person said to me was that, you know, if we can actually get to young people before they get to my stage, maybe we can stop them from actually getting to a, a mental health stage where they are suicidal or um, they are, they've got to a stage whereby all of the interventions of uh, psychologists, et cetera, and, and obviously sort of medicine uh, cannot really help you anymore. Uh, so we sat down and we, we hatched a plan whereby if we actually got to young people very early in their lives and we actually got them to open up that first conversation about how they felt inside their heads and hearts, maybe, just maybe, we can actually start them on that road whereby they could actually be more open about how they feel inside their heads and their hearts. And we thought that really a great way of doing that was through the creative arts, um, because children are extremely shy and extremely really sort of reserved and, 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 and really shy about 
talking about how they feel. We are, we're very, very reserved in this country. Um, but we know that if you give a child a piece of paper and you ask them to actually tell, tell me how they feel on a piece of paper, we know from what we've done over the last two years that that is just actually like opening up an amazing Pandora's box about how they feel in, inside their heads. Some of the, the artwork that we've received in our campaign is really startling, um, but also quite rewarding from the point of view actually of how those children feel. Um, so we use the creative arts of art, singing, poetry, words, animation. Um, and it's been an incredible success from the point of view that children will actually articulate and how they're feeling a lot, lot better through those creative arts and actually asking them the direct question, how are you feeling today? Um, because everyone says, yeah, I'm fine. And your leg can be dropping off or you can be in turmoil in your head. So that's really how it all started. So we create, we got the, uh, the creative arts elements and I thought, well, if we put adventure in there as well, um, it will make it a little bit more exciting. Um, and also we can add a little bit of STEM, which is science, technology, engineering and math which fits beautifully into the curriculum within schools in the United Kingdom and around the world. Yeah. And I think adding to, to that, Bernie, as well, um, you know, this is about encouraging young people, children to open up and share their feelings and emotions. And I just wonder where you, you sit in terms of the campaign, for example, that Andy, Mike and Tim, uh, the three dads have been promoting to have suicide prevention as a mandatory part of the oh, curriculum. Great question. I mean, uh, the three dads walking are just just I just have so much respect for the three dads walking. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, having it on the curriculum, I think is absolutely essential. There's no question about that whatsoever. Um, uh, and of course, if we could actually, if we could add the creative arts into that particular sort of curriculum piece, um, particularly for younger uh, children, I'm talking about five to 11 here, and uh, also from the, uh, the 11 years to 18 year olds, um, creative arts are inc an incredible way to engage. We know that because we've just completed a national tour of, uh, of schools um, with our incredible supporting partner, Parent Pay, who have got six and a half thousand connections to the schools around the country that they engage with us. So we know that when, we, when we've been into schools and we've, we've done these simple exercises, Steve, um, we've seen the results. I mean, I've had children come up to me and said, this is the first time I've actually spoken about how I feel inside my head today. And they've been in tears uh, because they were looking for uh, a, a solution to how they actually were feeling inside their heads. And they weren't ashamed about it whatsoever. I mean, we also engaged with the British Army and, and the Royal Air Force as well on our tour. And I have an incredible story whereby the, the commanding officer of a major regiment um, who I spent 30 days with. We, we pulled our boat round um, RAF Lynham uh, over a year ago now, and I had the British Army come round and help me pull the boat for 30 days. And we were doing uh, talks throughout those 30 days on the base to three and a half thousand of the troops. And the actual, um, uh, the actual general of the whole of the actual um, uh, regiment stood up and told his story about how he was mentally... Uh, affected for over and he had to come out of the army for a year but it was the first time that he actually was I wouldn't say brave enough but actually uh, he actually got up in front of his troops and told them that he actually took a year off because he had a mental breakdown um, and he did that through the boat when he saw the boat and he saw all of the the artwork that the children had done he said to me if those children would be as brave uh, to actually come out and talk about how they feel why can't I do it and that's what he did so, so we know that creative arts really, really works. 
Ben, Benny, I love this um, focus on the creative arts. It's, it's often said that all kids are creative and, and then society knocks the creativity out of people. So by the time they become adults, they, they all think they can't draw and they can't uh, do things that they were actually doing when they were kids. Uh, maybe there's lessons here for how we um, communicate as adults as well. The creativity is so important to all of us in our lives. Um, you know, when we think about from an adult point of view, um, when we have moments of reflection, when we have a chance to sit down and think, or when we just move away from, you know, the everyday hectic lives that we all live, and we do doodle, or we draw, or we, we, we try and create some poetry, or we do something creative with our lives, whether it's making a, you know, a, a model or whatever the case may be. Um, it, it, it's a great opportunity for you to actually sort of think about you for, for a change as opposed to what's happening in the world. Bernie, thanks so much uh, for, for now. We're going to have a, a short break and play another one of the tracks you, you've chosen today. And, and for this one, very close to, to home for you, Heart As Big As Liverpool by Pete Wiley and the Mighty Wild. Just tell us a little bit about why this track's so special. This track is extremely special to me. Um, it's very recent, actually, is that, and I didn't really know this track existed. Um, whilst I was on the Atlantic Ocean, uh, I think it was about midway through my row, um, and uh, around about 50 days through, and I was going through a huge torrid time. I think I'd been through 17 storm systems at this stage, had a couple of capsizes, and didn't really think I was coming back, to be honest with you. Um, I was very fortunate, believe it or not, to actually have a, an internet connection uh, on a couple of occasions when I can actually get out on deck and actually put this little satellite dish out. And one of my amazing friends um, uh, basically said, listen, I've got a song for you to get you through uh, to the end of your voyage. And he said, it's a heart as big as Liverpool, because all of the words within the song actually encapsulate who you are. And if you listen to the lyrics, um, it actually is all about being lonely and um, effectively saying that you are not alone. And uh, when you're out there and there's nothing, just water and a few marine life creatures, um, that's really what I needed. Um, I needed to know that I wasn't alone. And those words really lifted me up and gave me the inspiration to carry on. And, and of course, heart as big as Liverpool is what I was born and bred in Liverpool. And my little seven metre boat that I rode across the Atlantic is named the City of Liverpool. So it's very poignant. And the boat was made in the City of Liverpool in honour of my late grandfather and my late dad, who actually worked all of their working lives in the docks of Liverpool. And my dad sailed in and out of Liverpool all of his life. So when, um, when effectively um, my friend told me about this track and, and gave me the link, as I had the opportunity to download it on, online. And I just cried my eyes out on deck when I when I listened to it because I thought, wow, thanks, David. Uh, you've really you've really got me in a great space now whereby I was really thinking of giving up. Um, and then I carried on from that. So it's a really poignant track. Well, let's take a, a listen to Heart as Big as Liverpool by Pete Wiley and the Mighty War now. And we'll be right back after this to talk with our guest Bernie Hollywood some more about the boat of hope. And uh, we'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Steve. Join me every day of the week from 7 through till 10 for Yawa Breakfast right here on Yawa Radio. Probably the best way to start your day. Make a day. Join me every day, 7 till 10, Yawa Breakfast right here on Yawa Radio. Welcome back. We're talking with our guest, Bernie Hollywood OBE. And Bernie, I'd like us to talk about this incredible challenge which you completed 
less than a couple of weeks ago now. Tell us how the Boat of Hope came about and what your vision was for that. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, Steve. Another great question. Um, well, the Boat of Hope came about really uh, through, um, I, I love challenges and I think challenges are a great opportunity to actually show people that ordinary people can do extraordinary things. And you can't do it on your own. And, and, and through all the challenges I've done throughout my life, I've had an incredible team of people behind me that actually make the magic happen. And um, about two or three years ago, I was sitting down with a, a, an amazing young man and um, we were talking about mental health in particular. Um, and we were just digging a little bit deeper with regards to with the statistics of, of you know, teenage suicide within the United Kingdom, which are absolutely woeful. You know, the one in four people within our country, but also around the world suffer with mental health issues because I have charities in developing parts of Africa where they're less fortunate than we are. They have no support whatsoever. Mental health is seen as a, a sign of weakness. And they're very, very much behind where we are as a developing nation with regards to the support that we get at home. And, and the support that we get at home is extremely limited, as we all know, uh, with regards to it being recognized and it being supported. So um, we felt at that stage that, you know, we can actually do something uh, through adventure and through the creative arts. Uh, of actually putting a campaign together. And we didn't really have a shape about it at that stage. We just had an idea and we're just kicking it around. And as you do with ideas, you sit there and you write down things down and you let your creativity go crazy. And we put some amazing, crazy ideas together about how we could actually mix creative arts with an adventure to actually stimulate a conversation with young people about how they feel inside their heads and hearts. And within about a day or two, we actually came up with a, a, a plan a four part plan about how we could actually execute a campaign that would really stimulate that conversation with young people uh, with, that, with, with bringing great creatives on board uh, to the actual campaign that wouldn't cost us a great deal of money. Um, but basically, if we could engage with those people and get those resources for free, um, we could make something special happen. Now, Within the mental health space, there are incredible charities in the IT Kingdom doing amazing things with regards to supporting people who do have issues with their mental health. But we wanted to do something slightly different. We wanted to get to young people very early on so we could open up those conversations. And if they needed support and help, they could go to the agencies and charities that are within our country itself. So we came up with a boat of hope and we came up with four simple activations. And I'm, very, I'm an advocate of the KISS method which is keep it simple, stupid. Don't overcomplicate something that's not very complicated. So if you do that and keep your message simple, people get it. Then also I'm, very, I'm a huge supporter of storytelling because if you have an incredible story, magic happens. And there's a great book that if anybody wants to go and read it, it's called by, it's by Ken Burnett and it's called Storytelling is Changing the World. And it's about when you get up and you tell a story, people will listen if it actually is engaging and it resonates with them. I think if you look back to what Captain Tom did during the, the pandemic, his story just resonated with the nation at the right time and magic happened. So the first thing that I did is I, I reached out to all of my creative friends, um, uh, authors, filmmakers, um, music producers, pop stars, anybody in the creative arts, artists, and I reached out with a, just a brief email um, and I said, listen, this is what I'm thinking of doing. 
you want to get together with us and see what we can do to see if we can make some magic happen? And that's really how we brought it all together. And I chose rowing the Atlantic Ocean um, purely because I've, I've always wanted to do something on water because of my, my nautical roots with my dad. And he went to light, he went to he went to see all of his life. I've always wanted to row the Atlantic, always deep down in my in my in my mind, but never had the opportunity to do it. And I started rowing four years ago up here in, in Cheshire in, in, in the River Dee with Grosvenor Rowing Club. And I fell in love with rowing. And that really was the start of the journey of putting together the row across the Atlantic with the creative arts to open up that conversation. Bernie, we've, we've talked about rowing across the Atlantic, but for anyone kind of listening who, who's kind of never done anything like this before, um, can you give us an idea specifically what, what the challenge was? Um, I mean, the, the, the distance. Uh, some people out there might not be able to equate three and a half thousand miles or rowing across the Atlantic. So just, just if you can give us a bit of detail around what the challenge yeah. actually entailed. Sure. Well, the, the challenge, the challenge in test, it's a race that happens every year, Steve. So uh, this this challenge is is called the world's toughest row, and and effectively you start off rowing a, a boat, and it's a rowboat. So you can either do it as a solo rower, you can do it as a a double, two people, or you can do it as a triple, three, or a quad, or a quintet. Uh, so you decide what format you want to do it in. Uh, I decided to do it in a solo version, in a seven meter boat, um, which is just about 20 foot long, two meters wide. And effectively, you decide to row your boat from a small island just off Tenerife called Lagomera. And you go out to the harbor and then you row, you go into the Atlantic Ocean and then you turn south and then you turn west. And then you row your boat solo, completely unsupported, on your own for up to 90 days at sea. That's how long it should take you, okay? And you are completely unsupported, so you have all of your food on board. Uh, you have a desalination unit that basically converts the salt water into fresh water. Uh, you obviously have navigation in the form of GPS and steering and so on and so forth. And effectively, you just go for it. So you then uh, row 1.5 million oar strokes um, and by the time you've done that, you should get yourself to the nearest landmass across the Atlantic Ocean, which is an island called Antigua in the Caribbean Sea. Now that's the plan. So you come out, you head south down towards uh, the islands of Cape Verde. Then you turn west to get the westerly currents to take you over to, to, to Antigua. Um, and as I say, in 90 days time, you should safely get into uh, the island itself. That didn't happen this year. It was the worst weather ever in the 10 years of the race. Um, and as a solo boat, because you haven't got uh, submission sort of people power to actually drive you through the storms, the solo boats, three in particular, got caught in 17 storm systems. And as a consequence, it took me 109 days to get across. So I actually hold the record for the longest solo row across the Atlantic Ocean. And at one stage, I was so far south, I was near Venezuela, so um, which I'm not very proud of, but I did happen to bring it back north uh, towards the end of the race. Um, just wondering, Bernie, how did you cope mentally rolling solo across the ocean? And the three solo boats in particular, we really became a team in ourselves because we had satellite telephones. And we were all talking to one another, going through the storm systems that we had, and we all helped one another in our times of of really sort of terrible mental torment, Danny. 
whereby there was times when I had breakdowns, anxiety, panic attacks, um, and my mental health was all over the place, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm glad, I, I think the journey was supposed to be 109 days as opposed to 90. Um, I don't know whether it was intervention from above or whatever, but I think I was there for a reason. And when I came back off the row, uh, I came back a different individual. Um, my value systems are different now than they were when I first set out. I have a better understanding of where people go when they are feeling anxious. Um, and uh, when they are feeling, you know, at that stage of their lives, whereby they're contemplating whether they, they should go on or not. And it's, it is life changing. There's no question about that at all. And, and to me, it's made me a better individual as a whole. Bernie, I'm really interested. I'm always interested in people's motivations and drives and what keeps them going or not, of course, which is why we work in suicide prevention. Um, and I'm just wondering about what was in your head? I can imagine you having times when you were just thinking about the challenge and uh, the enormity of the challenge and, and just, you know, surviving maybe at some times. Uh, there must have also been points where you were, your mind was really focused on why you were doing this and, and the young people and the children. And just give us a, a, an idea of, of the moments where those different thoughts were going through your minds. Thanks, Paul. A, a, a great question. Um, I, I think because it was quite a torrid um, 109 days I can really only count the good days on one hand actually that the weather was only good for around about five days um there, there were times when um yeah I, I was really so low and my mental health was in quite a state um fortunately enough and and I think I don't know how this happened but I, I'm glad it did um when we did our national school tour around the United Kingdom with the Boat of Hope and we went out and saw students and talked about mental health through the creative arts. I went to an incredible uh, school in Northern Ireland in Derry. Now, you may not know the story of Derry, but during the troubles that happened there many, many years ago, that city was in complete turmoil. You know, that, 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 particular, uh, that particular part of their, their story is now transformed into an amazing city that's come together, particularly with young people. And I was fortunate enough to go to Foyle College as a, a guest for the day. And when I left, uh, when I left the college, I was handed 50 sealed letters of hope from 50 students. They're all sealed with their names on it. And well, what I was asked by the teachers and the students was, please take these letters on board and will you open up one every day um, and read it to camera? And you'll, you'll basically be, be you'll hear and you'll see what students feel about what hope means to them. And they were just an amazing antidote to the way that I was feeling every day every time mm. I opened up one of those letters um floods of emotion will come out with regard to what young people aged 13 to 16 actually feel about what's inside their heads and their hearts and I I, I thank them so much for for that because those letters actually gave me the inspiration to go on in those really dark days that I had and I read them to camera and I've recorded them and sent them back to the school. And each particular student now has that individual response about how they helped me personally whilst I was on the, on the ocean get through my journey. And again, without those letters, those sealed letters of hope, um, I certainly wouldn't have actually got through that journey. There's no question about that at all. 
Bernie, we know the reasons why you, you've done this. We've just talked about the, the hope and inspiration for young people, yeah. um, but obviously a massive undertaking. What, what, did you, what did you learn about yourself from this challenge? Um, well, uh, great, great question, Steve. Um, I, I learned that I'm not as strong as I thought I was um, mentally. Um, uh, I thought I had mental resilience before I started this particular challenge, and I haven't. Um, and I've realized that um, however strong you are physically and mentally, um, there are always there are always times in that particular journey whereby you will be put to the test. And I've also learned as well that it's not shameful to talk about how you feel um, mentally at all. In fact, I think it's a it's a sign of strength. Um, and you know, talking about how I felt mentally across my journey has really helped me as an individual become stronger as a consequence. You know, surrounding yourself with incredible people um, that can support you on, on any journey in life is the best gift that you can ever, ever have. And I'm blessed with that. As we're coming towards the end of the conversation today, Bernie, I'd like to ask you about a tweet I saw from you a few days ago where you stated that uh, on July the 1st, you're going to be closing down your website, yes. uh, leaving Facebook and Twitter to spend more time with your family and uh, on your judicial work. And a hint about a potential political uh, career. Is this the last we'll see of Bernie Hollywood, the charity campaigner? Um, I hope I hope not, Steve. Um, uh, when I was when th th this particular decision was made, when I was rowing across the Atlantic, and when I was rowing for the, the 109 days, do you know what? I never missed speaking to people on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, one little bit, because the primeval instincts are survival, and more importantly, you start thinking about really sort of what really matters in life. Uh, yeah, I've made a conscious decision while I was on on the water that uh, I've been I've been on these social media channels now for over ten years, and um, I think there is a different way for me to influence um, third sector in particular because I've been in the third sector now for forty years, and I have a wealth of uh, experience that I think I can bring into into politics in particular because I feel that when I see uh, amazing campaigns like Three Dads Walking and yourself and Michael and everybody else that works in this space. I feel that government don't get it. They just don't get it. Um, and uh, it infuriates me. It really, really does. And I feel that if we have somebody in the heart of government that actually understands truly the messages that those folks are bringing to the, uh, to the actual, uh, to the, the, the steps of government, we may be able to influence those decisions a lot better and get and see action happen a lot quicker. Uh, and, and sadly in government, things happen at snail place because I've actually been dealing with various governments for the last 40 years. And I've seen so many prime ministers come and go in that time, which I've, I've had an opportunity to speak to about other charity issues. And I know that, you know, political turnaround as we see, which we may see that next year, means that we all have to start again um, and basically influence the, the, the actual government at the time. My, my thought process, Steve, was if you're in the heart of that to start with, you have a better opportunity of moving things a lot faster. So I am looking to potentially, and it's a significant journey to get there into the upper house. Uh, and I'm, I'm not interested in titles or anything of that nonsense. I just want to sit whereby I can influence politicians to make sensible decisions to move things forward particularly in the mental health space for young people. So I'm going to focus on my family because I think they deserve a little bit more of me. Uh, I'm going to focus on my judicial career, which is 
sitting as a magistrate and helping hopefully people go in a different direction. And thirdly, if I can get to the upper house, I want to go in and I want to influence top government to actually help people like yourself and, and other amazing charities within the United Kingdom have a better voice at the, uh, the, of the highest table in government. Uh, look, thank you. Before we go, uh, one of the things we always do, uh, we always ask our guests to kind of leave uh, today's show on, on a message of hope. What would your message of hope be for, for any young person who maybe is, is struggling a little bit with their mental health at the moment? What an, what an amazing question to, uh, to end with. I'm getting a bit, getting a bit emotional now. Um, obviously, having had issues in my own life with regards to that, um, I would say to young people, and I know an awful lot of young people that are in this space at the moment, um, there is always hope. When you feel that um, there's nowhere to go, um, there is somewhere to go. And there are incredible charities around the United Kingdom supporting young people in very special ways. And there's one particular charity and one particular gentleman in, in mind that comes to mind. And that's the hub of hope. And it's the hubofhope.co.uk. And it's an incredible charity um, put together by an amazing young man called Jake Mills, who actually was suicidal and was going to take his life and decided not to do that and decided to help others in a really special way. And if you're a young person and you feel that you can't speak to anybody, and I know how difficult that can be, um, go to the Hub of Hope, put your postal code in, and that will give you support groups for your particular type of, uh, type of mental illness that you can go to confidentially and you can start to actually get support that you need and get people that will listen to how you're feeling if you feel you can't speak to anybody else. So that's what I would say. There is always hope um, uh, when everything else is not there. Um, there is always hope. Fantastic. Thank you, Bernie. And yeah, we're very familiar with, with Jake and the Hub of Hope and we feature them on the Jordan Legacies Help resources as well well look, thank you for for that um we're going to uh, play another one of your tracks now as as we say farewell to you um, and and that is one that uh, many people from liverpool will know very well uh, if not the world and that is you'll never walk alone but but not actually jerry and the pacemakers version you've, you've gone with andrea bocelli's uh, <laughs> version uh, so wh why are we choosing that particular version I'm choosing that version, Steve, because I, I, I actually took this version with uh, version with me on the sea. And if you basically have a look at the words, I mean, it says, when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. That happens to me for 100 and 109 nights running. And when basically I went through the storm, it, it says at the end of the storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet uh, silver song of a lark. Well, I didn't have larks at the sea, uh, on the sea, but I have peverels these are atlantic birds that followed me all the way across and it just resonated with me that when i had those dark days and i was rowing through the storms and when i heard this song it really helped me get through the dark days and and that's why i throw up shows andre because it's just an incredible version brought up to date in such an amazing way well that's a, a wonderful track to say thank you bernie hollywood for, for joining us today and, and sharing your story we Really appreciate it. So let's listen to You'll Never Walk Alone by Andrea Bocelli. And we'll be right back with Danny, Paul and myself to round up today's discussion with Bernie. And we'll see you right after this. Yawa Radio, bringing the feel-good feeling to every day. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, well, Danny, Paul, um, incredible interview and, and just amazing to learn more about Bernie and his, his story and his 
his motivation for doing what he's done. Paul, what, what were some of the things that you've you've taken away from our conversation with Bernie today that really resonated with you? I was really blown away by it because I've followed Bernie's journey in terms of his his Board of Hope uh, adventure, and uh, but I didn't know really know much about the background and the context. So hearing about his his growing up, his his background, his motivations, uh, it's it really enlightening and. Uh, I, I have always had a bit of an issue with people who do these incredible physical challenges because we're, we're trying to deal with, you know, often with young people and, and, and emphasize they don't need to be macho and live in a, in a you know, toxic masculinity world and so on. And then people say, I'm going to you know, run a marathon uphill or something like that. Um, but you, know, you can see how Bernie has got a really good big picture perspective of this and how adventure fits into it how those challenges fit into the whole story as well as creative arts and and it's just wonderful how he's not just done that challenge he's connected with so many people the schools um produced the 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 comic books and the animation uh and you know left a, a whole bunch of resources for schools so there's so much depth and breadth to what he does it's not just hey you know i'm a macho man Running across the Atlantic, and then of course hearing his struggles, his own personal struggles, and his own. Well, well I was going to say, I mean, his vulnerability, and just saying yeah. that he learned that I'm Incredible. not as not as resilient or as mentally strong as I thought Absolutely, I was. And I, yeah. I thought I was such a, a an important analogy for life in in general. So, Dan, Danny, how about yourself? What were some of the things that you took away from our conversation with Bernie? Yeah, so I was just echoing what Paul has said as well. Just such an amazing story. And- going all the way back to his childhood and the way he was brought up, what he said about his mum and how she said that the more you give, the more that you get back and how this, you know, really then led on to how, you know, what he's what he's doing today and helping children to express how they feel, raising awareness, raising so much money for charities. And, and it just makes so much sense that through creativity, this can help children and, and adults, like we said as well, to express how they feel and, and to get people the support that they need. I think I think you're right. I think that's why I asked the question that I did around, you know, should it be suicide prevention specifically that we train on, or is it more about finding these creative ways to allow children to be able to open up and, and talk and to yeah, open and I hope up. Bernie finds the right role for the next part of his journey because I'm not sure um, you know, being in the heart of government. I know I know so many people who've said I'll go into government to try and change things, and unfortunately, government has chewed them up and spat them out. Um, sometimes people can be more effective from the outside, but hey, maybe Bernie's the kind of unique, incredible individual who can go in and and, and make some difference. But I think it'll make a difference whatever he does. Yeah, we we need someone to to go in there and shake things up a little bit, and uh, and if nobody takes you know that step. Uh, then things are never going to change. So, so all, all power to, to Bernie, and uh, we'll certainly be supporting him from the Jordan Legacy's point of view. Well, that's it for another episode of Jordan Space. My thanks to Danny and Paul, and of course to our guest this week, Bernie Hollywood. And thank you also for tuning in. You'll be able to listen to this show on our website, thejordanlegacy.com, along with other shows. And you can also find our social media sites on our website as well. For now, we'd like to wish you all a safe and healthy and above all hopeful week ahead. And we're going to leave you with one final track, which is Ships in the Night by Bebop Deluxe. A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.com. 
co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio podcast. Copyright applies. <laughs>